Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, verses 36 to 37. As a podcaster and a blogger, I'm very conscious of my words. I want to say exactly what I mean without leaving any room for interpretation, because then the listener or reader may get completely the wrong impression. It's quite a challenge to do these days, because informal usage has changed the intrinsic meanings of a lot of words. Take attitude, for example. I used the word when my teacher daughter was having problems with other staff members at her job. I suggested she changed her attitude, and she immediately thought I meant she was being antagonistic or hostile towards her co-workers. What I was suggesting was she modify her feelings about the environment, her perspective of the other teachers she was working with, her thinking about the company as a whole. My favourite writing tools are my thesaurus, with lots of clarifying word alternatives, and my children, who let me know in a hurry when I'm not expressing myself clearly for their generation. Additionally, these verses from Matthew's Gospel help me to remember that what comes out of my mouth reflects what is in my heart and will, in the end, condemn me or acquit me. Do you carefully choose your words, knowing that you will be judged according to them? Hello, I'm Vivian McNenny, and you're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler here on Toginet Radio. I've been gone for a few months putting the finishing touches on a couple of manuscripts I've had on the back burner. I didn't want to catch my eye in the mirror one day and say, Hey, what happened to those books you started ten years ago? So I decided to do something about it before that happened. I'm back now and ready to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It's different for everyone, as you'll hear from the many parents and graduated students who agree to come and chat to me each week about what goes on around their kitchen tables. For example, I'm a British homeschooler with her own radio show. Apart from the fact that I've been broadcasting for five and a half years, I live an ordinary life and really do enjoy having my children underfoot or texting me, catching up on social media or calling me every day. Well, almost. They've promised to leave me alone for the next 30 minutes or so while I'm recording. If you're new to my listening audience, you'll want to browse my podcasts on my website, thesociablehomeschooler.com or on my show page at Tokinet. Stay put for the next few minutes though because I have a brand new show for you. So get yourself a nice cup of tea and a piece of cake and let's get started, shall we? Since we were last together back in January, a lot has happened. First and foremost, you'll be pleased to hear that I have finished both my manuscripts. The second one still needs some tweaking, but they're both pretty much ready to be shopped at the publishing houses. So I'm excited about that and I'll let you know how it goes. And secondly... We bought a house, not just a house, 
but a barn too, and a pavilion. And not just some buildings, but some land that could well become the McNenny family farm. We moved out of our apartment at the beginning of May and made the enormous transition from life lived out of two suitcases and some peripheral possessions to life lived with a house full of belongings that we'd done without very successfully for the past four years. In the four weeks we had possession of our property before we had to leave for Florida, we physically exhausted ourselves with all the furniture shifting and box unpacking. We we mentally stretched ourselves to such a degree we didn't know what day of the week it was, let alone the year, and we emotionally brought ourselves to our knees. If it hadn't been for the promise we'd made to the two dogs we'd walked for four months in Turkey Creek last year, that we'd return and look after them again for a further two months while their owners went back to England for a wedding and some gadding around Europe this year, we may never have recovered our breath. As it is, we're finishing up our respite here by a canal in steamy Florida and heading home in a week to our new property, Footlights, where Dortz has been holding down the fort for us and has declared she never wants to leave. I'm delighted to be welcoming as my first guest after my writing sabbatical, my good friend Gretchen Rowe. You'll best remember Gretchen as the community liaison for the Calvert School, and now she works for Demi Learning, better known by homeschoolers as Math UC. Gretchen and her husband Pat homeschooled their six children, and over the course of the last five and a half years, she's been a regular on my show. When you visit my site, the social homeschooler, and search her name, you'll be able to listen to many past conversations we've had about curriculum, parenting, home education, moving, unemployment, her job change, and the transition of two of her sons from homeschool into the public school system. They now live on a three-acre farmstead in Henderson, Western North Carolina, and today Gretchen's taking a break from the farmer's market, panning for gems, and hanging out by the pool to talk to me about how her summer has been so far. Hello, Gretchen. Welcome to my show. Oh, Vivian, that I would have your memory. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, I keep notes. I keep notes and I go back. So, I mean, I just kind of use tools to help me. Your notes are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is your... I can't believe it's been five and a half years since we first started this relationship. That's amazing to me. I know. It's a long time. And my my son has just started podcasting. And he's like at number 40 or something. And he says to me, okay, what's the number of your show this week? And I'll go, oh, 256. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've just got to be doing it. And he, actually, he went to a podcast conference in Fort Worth this weekend. So when we get back at the end of next week, well, at the end of this week, he'll still be in Dallas staying at our house. We get to see him. He's in Cali- usually in California. But anyway, he said, well, I talked to people about your show and your network. And um, I said, well, did you learn lots of things? Is there anything I shouldn't be doing, you know, that, I, that, that I've been doing for the last five years? And he said, no, Mom, we covered interviews today and you do everything they, they suggest that you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, good, good to hear. I'm not surprised a bit. Anyway, yes, so five years and you you moved and you've been there now for probably a year, right? Yes, it was a year in June. Yeah. Um, and I think we finally decided that we're going to name the farm. And? Uh, 
uh, I think we're going to call it Chicky Bee Hill. So Chicky Bee Hill is that close to where? Is it a town <laughs> well, or something? The where the farm itself is actually on a granite bald, so everywhere off the farm is downhill uh-huh. from us, and um, we ha- now have chickens and bees, and yes. so. That is uh, where that name is going to come from. So. Okay. So um, how many chickens, and did you um, get them as chicks, or are they we already did. laying? We did. We have um, 19 chickens. We got 20 to begin with, and we lost one little baby the very first day. She oh. was just really too young and um, got crushed by the, the rest of the crowd. Oh. So we have 19 of them. We have 18 chickens, one rooster. And um, then we have three baby guinea chicks who are going to be our alarm birds. And we just acquired those about a week ago. And the chickens started laying about three weeks ago. It's hilarious to watch four people get wildly excited over a (laughs) tiny egg. Uh But we're up to about half a dozen eggs a day now. And when we're in full business, I think I'm praying nobody says here, I don't like eggs anymore. (laughs) Right, right. Well, my son actually has, oh, I don't know how many he has now, nine chickens. And he, they, they say that you need to pick them up pretty soon because if, they, if one of them cracks or if they start to eat their own eggs, that's it. They'll eat their own eggs. Right, right. Well, we've been blessed. We have handled these clowns so much that we go out on our deck in the afternoons to have lunch and my husband calls it watching chicken TV, but mm-hmm. they run all over the backyard. And if we call them, they'll actually come and climb up in our lap and yeah. sit. And yeah. they're, um, they're uber domesticated, I think would be the proper term. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's, that's- it's been a whole homeschooling adventure I never anticipated. And keeping bees has been absolutely fascinating. Um, we've learned that we aren't very good at gardening. <laughs> but... Um, we are beginning to see some proceeds from the garden. We had uh, green beans and burgundy beans and acorn squash yesterday for dinner, and mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the adventures have gone better than the others, and yeah. you know it's it, uh, it's all a process of learning. So that's been really fun. So how do you how do you get the bees? Do you just buy a hive of bees, or do you buy a hive and the bees come to it? What happens? We um, we went to bee school this winter, um, three of us uh, went for eight weeks, um, one night a week to bee school, and then we bought what's called a nuke mm-hmm. of bees, which is um, a box of bees that has five frames in it and a queen, mm-hmm. and we bought two boxes of nukes this summer, <clears throat> and they arrived Memorial Day, and then... Um, we have one hive that has been so prolific, we have split that hive. So now we have three hives of bees, and actually the hive we split last week, today is the eighth day, so we can go in and see if they have begun making queen cells. Mm. And so it's really interesting. There's um, My husband kept bees in college, and, and that was bees in a box, and you went and stole the honey from them at the end of the summer. There's now... A great deal more enterprise to it than what it was thirty plus years ago. So, oh. Oh. so are you just going to harvest the honey for yourselves? Eventually, what we really wanted is we wanted the bees so that they would be available to propagate 
the the garden here and uh, sort of create a symbiotic relationship. Actually, this year we won't harvest any honey. We want to get the colonies really well established. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, when we should have harvested honey, I was in the midst of doing homeschool conferences and traveling, and that's not a one-person job. So we sort of missed the opportunity this summer, and hopefully we'll be able to make it happen next year. So what happens to the honey if you don't harvest it? The bees use it as resources um, to overwinter and... And so what do the bees do for resources when you harvest their honey? Well, when they harvest it, it's a harder enterprise for them to overwinter. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it becomes a delicate balancing game of keeping the bees alive and um, keeping them thriving through the winter months. Mm-hmm. And new beekeepers lose about 40% of their hives. So we're hoping that we're not in that statistic come next spring. So. Mm. Well, it sounds as though they've got their honey, so they should be able to overwinter. Yes, uh, the day we went to split the hive, when we picked up the super that contained the honey, it weighed close to 70 pounds. Oh, my goodness, really? (laughs) I think think they'll be okay. Wow, that's a lot. It is amazing. That's really good. And then you'll get the, what what is it, the, what's what's really good, the pollen? Yes. Yeah? Yes. It's it's a really interesting enterprise. The more we learn, the more there is to learn. Wow. So, wow. okay, so you've started with your chickens and you've got bees, and um, I know you were talking about getting what doing well, with rabbits or rabbits. I think are the next enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they I expect will come in September or October, and we would like to add to that goats as well. Um, <clears throat> but that's going to require a fencing. Um, enterprise that we're not yet prepared to do so and um, so no pigs no I think well we keep going back and forth I keep laughing saying I want one pig named bacon and one pig named um, pork chop Mm -hmm. but um, we haven't decided exactly whether we're going to do that or not Um, people are in two camps some folks tell us oh yes go for it and some folks are like no you really don't want to do that so We'll see. I suppose you need to go and visit somebody who has pigs and just see for yourself. Actually, my best homeschooling friend for years and years um, now raises pigs in uh, the mountains of Virginia. So we visited her, and she's an excellent teacher. And um, uh, they would be our our resource for academics, if you will, if there's such a thing as pig academics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gosh, that sounds really, really, you know, sort of interesting and a different way of life out in the country. It really is. It's quite a change from the hustle and bustle of Annapolis. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about the goats, actually. Are you going to milk the goats? <laughs> well, we haven't decided whether we want to do that. To, to no. tell you the truth, that's quite an enterprise. I if know. you have goats, you have to milk them every 12 hours. Yeah. religiously and um with my travel schedule i usually become the the keeper of the fur people here Mm -hmm. um we have two dogs two rats and you know all the chickens and if i'm going to be traveling we got to get either my husband or the boys to sign off on the prospect of milking every 12 hours Sure uh, that we can make that happen. Well, that's I said to Larry. Oh no, I'm not going to get milk goats because you know I don't like to be tied down to that extent. I like I like my life to be a little bit flexible. 
Right. Well, just the chickens alone. So far, we uh, we haven't yet m- found a chicken minder for us. So vacation has been separate this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pat going at one time and me going at another. Yeah. Yeah. This has been the first summer while you've had your boys at public school, Gretchen. Um, has it been different? You know, it's... It was different in the fact that summer began a little bit later for us. Um, they didn't get out of school until about the 12th of June. Mm-hmm. Um, so summer has gone very quickly. They, we've had some wonderful things that we've done this summer. And we've got a little slice of heaven here as far as school has been concerned. I know that I see and talk to homeschool parents all the time traveling to conferences who tell me the challenges they're having with public school. But... Thus far here, it has been a wonderful enterprise. We Western North Carolina is an amazing place, and my older son is attending the high school that my husband and I graduated from, and it is in many respects very similar to what it was 30 years ago. Really, really. That's marvelous. That's marvelous. I know a lot of people worry about having to you know, take their children out of homeschool and put them into public school. And I think you were a little bit concerned about what the transition was going to be like. But you know, I know in our past conversation, you have said just how wonderful that was and how blessed you were. I, I have to laugh because I have said that I, I needed, uh, um, I, ne- I was the one who needed help in the transition mm-hmm. for them to public school, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah. Um, it went pretty seamlessly. Yeah. They've had a great year. Owen will be a fifth grader this year. Yeah. Now, continues to insist that he would like to be homeschooled for middle school, mm-hmm. and and we'll see. We'll see how this year goes, and then we'll see what opportunities are available to us. Yeah. Right now, with my travel schedule with 12, 14 conferences a year, I just don't have the time to devote to him so that he has a schedule that is um, consistent. And so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. You did that before, though. I did, but that was when I worked from home, and um, I had much more flexibility in my schedule than I do now. Okay. That was going to be one of my questions. If you could, would you homeschool them again? I would would definitely homeschool Owen. Duncan has so thoroughly enjoyed his high school experience Mm -hmm. that I don't think I would... Mm -hmm ask him to come home, if you will. Mm-hmm. If he asked me to, of course, I would do my best yeah. to, to make that happen. But he's having a blast. He yeah. really is enjoying school very much. And um, it's been a joy to watch him grow and change and mature. He's made some fabulous, mature decisions in his academics this year. And we've ju- we're just really proud of him. He's done a great job. Well, and you said that Owen asked you to homeschool or said he wanted to be homeschooled during his middle school reason uh, you know I don't really uh, w- his reason changes by the day um, one day it's because he tells me he misses me mm-hmm. the next day he tells me he thinks it's because I need something to do <laughs> um, uh, three days after that he'll tell me that he knows I can teach him more than he would learn in a middle school classroom and he's impatient with having to wait for other people uh-huh. And so it, it's, you know, he's a typical 10-year-old. It, yeah. The reasons vary by the day. So yes, and he we'll walk through this year and then see what happens. And he probably sees lots of opportunities at home that he could, 
fall into if he was at home all day. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I know. I know my children, my boys especially, would be. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Treasure hunter Eric Schmidt and his family were diving near Fort Pierce, Florida when his metal detector went off in about 15 feet of water. What he found was one of 52 gold coins, or doubloons, worth more than a million dollars. The coins were from a Spanish ship that sunk during a hurricane 300 years ago. The storm sunk 11 Spanish ships and killed more than 1,000 people. What's another name for the frayed ropes on a sailing ship? Baggy wrinkles. The most valuable coin the Schmidt family uncovered was a tricentennial royal, minted in 1715, worth over $500,000. What's a word to make money any way possible? Cuomo Doc Yenquise. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm talking to Gretchen Rowe from Demi Learning, best known to us as Matthew C., and also Spell UC, their new spelling program. Now, Gretchen, you said that you love conference season. So tell us a little bit about what that means. Well, I, I am an extrovert, extrovert backed up by an extrovert. So I thrive on being able to have conversations with families, to learn about their homeschooling experiences, to help them make their homeschooling experiences the best they can be. Mm-hmm. And I um, just, I feel like being in the position of an advocate for Demi Learning, we have two of the most fabulous curricula that have really done some tremendous things on behalf of children, um, Matthew C. for some 25 years, and the last year and a half, what we have seen that Spelling UC has been able to do has just been remarkable. Mm-hmm. So it's right up my alley, and I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the travel as well. I think I enjoy it a lot more than my husband enjoys me traveling. Yeah, but... sure. <laughs> so what, does it take place usually over a weekend or during the week? 
It does. Uh, usually, um, homeschooling conferences usually typically run Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So my travel may mean, depending on how far I'm going, that I leave on Wednesday. I get home on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It makes for a long weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes a day is 12 hours at a pop at mm-hmm. the conference itself. So um, that's very tiring, but um, it to me it's very energizing to be around people, to learn their stories, to learn how I can help them. And if I can help a homeschool mom who later says she's glad she spoke to me, then my cup is full. Yeah, yeah. So you say you call it a season. Is it literally from one month to another? I mean, it, it's... This year, the homeschooling conference season began in February and ended um, at the end of July. I have a couple of small conferences that I'll do here in the state of North Carolina in August, but it's usually February or March till the end of July, and it is a very busy time. And we saw each other in February when you were in Fort Worth. That's right. That was fun. Yeah. And so... It's, it's really great to get to meet somebody that you've just been speaking to for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it just, it just makes you that much more real. <laughs> it was great fun. I really ter- truly enjoyed it. It was. Right. So you go to these conferences and you man the booths. Is that what you do? Because I've only ever been a, what, a shopper or a conference goer. I've never been a conference worker. Well, we do two things at conferences. We have a staff who mans the booth, and then usually we have the opportunity to present our our materials at some point in time in a workshop format. So uh, we'll present anywhere from one to two or three workshops at a conference. And, of course, I love the workshop presentations to me. That's great fun. So uh, I know that they say say that people's number one fear is public speaking, Mm -hmm. and that's not mine. So <laughs> oh, that's, good. that's good. So you get to do that a lot? I do. I do. It really is a great deal of fun. Well, good, good. And so when you're, when you're doing the conferences, uh, is that your complete job or are you still expected to make your calls? And- oh, when I, I come back here and I, um, Return calls to people I've had conversations with at conferences. One of the things that is, a unique blessing about Demi Learning is we don't throw parents into the deep end of the pool and let them swim for themselves, but we give them the opportunity to place their children properly so that their children's academic needs are met, and we provide follow-up and support, and um, that is um, a joy, and it's a busy time as well. I right now have about 50 phone calls to make this week for people that... Um, I visited with at conferences in July, and I now need to follow up with. And you follow up with them, and they buy the curriculum, you hope, and um, you support them? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the conferences are usually lucrative as well as, um, what, putting, putting the name out? Well, yes, I think there's a tremendous benefit to be out there and have, have the, the name. And, you know, you have to be able to be in touch with, people to figure out what their needs are and how their needs are changing. We're hoping to do some neat things at Demi this fall in the way of support to create some webinar support for parents, much in the way I did webinar support for Calvert, and I'm very excited about that prospect as well. That is good. Yeah, yeah. And so when do you go back to your 
other duties or your more regular duties now that, you know, once conference finishes? Then I am uh, in the role of supporting parents and um, touching base with potential new families, yeah. families who express interest yeah. either through live chat or through contact with the company. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully I will add to, to my repertoire um, webinars to be able to do that yeah. as I did for Calvert. Yeah, yeah, that'll be wonderful. All right, so I've never done math you see I didn't ever use that curriculum with with my with my children and the new one obviously I never used the new one that's spell you see I haven't even seen that one so tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of math you see I know you've talked about it before but you know just just refresh some of some of my listeners may be new and haven't heard of it and they're thinking about you know what what to do for math next year Okay, I would be happy to. I think one of the things that's really important to understand about math, you see, is that we teach conceptually. Mm -hmm. We teach a child to understand mathematics in a conceptual way and to master their understanding. So math in and of itself is sequential in the way it's organized. And what we do is we build premise upon premise so that a student has a clear understanding of mathematics. In other words, we want them to understand addition and subtraction before we teach them multiplication and division. We want them to understand multiplication and division before we teach them exponents and roots. We are truly a multi-sensory program in the fact that we have manipulatives and we give children a variety of inroads in order to address an understanding of mathematics. We say that we build, write, or say our mathematics principles And we use those same manipulatives from preschool all the way through algebra. We call it primer, but um, instead of preschool. And we use those same manipulatives to build mathematic computations all the way through. So that consistency is really helpful, I think, for children. I think it's also important to know with Matthew C that we, even if a parent doesn't have a level of confidence with math, the way in which the program is organized gives a parent the confidence to engage with their child. So we say that the engagement of a supportive parent is essential. You have to know what your children are learning. And I've learned more about math using Matthew C with my kids than I ever learned in any other premise. And that, to me, has been fantastic. Okay. And you talked a little bit last time about spell, spell spelling, yeah, spelling and, you see. Yeah, spelling you see. And you said just how absolutely wonderful that was and how, you, you know, you never thought to teach spelling in that way. So give us the highlights on the spelling. Well, Spelling You See is an absolutely amazing program that creates a visual memory for the words we use in common everyday spelling. Vivian, have you ever written a word and looked at it and said, well, that doesn't look right? Yes, I do. Well, Mm -hmm. the purpose of Spelling You See is to deliberately create that doesn't look right in a child's world, Mm -hmm. to cultivate that visual memory for spelling. And just like Matthew See... It's a multi-sensory program. It does not have grade levels. It's based on competencies. It's a little bit different than math, you see, in the fact that it's a practice-based program as opposed to a mastery program. But it takes the 
enterprise of spelling and puts it in a wholly affirmative context. And that's something I never had the opportunity to do with my kids. There, we don't use word lists. We don't use spelling tests. But we create a competency for spelling. And it has been particularly amazing for me personally because my son, Duncan, is a dyslexic student who really struggled with spelling. And he has cultivated a competency with spelling he never thought that he would have. And he often will say to me, yep, Mom, I can't say anymore that I can't spell. Spelling, you see, has showed me how I can. So do you supplement we do, and at his behest, as a matter of fact. Um, when Spelling UC first came out last spring, I was new to Demi, and I needed to learn how it worked. So he was still homeschooled, so I said, you're going to be my guinea pig for six weeks. Just give me six weeks with this, and let me see how it works for you. And he kind of reluctantly acquiesced, because if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah. And at the end of six weeks, I said, okay, dude, you're off the hook. And he said... No, I really don't think so. And I said, why? And he said, because I can see that I'm learning to spell using this program. And he used it up until December, and then school became too busy. He was uh, a competitive swimmer last winter. And so this spring, um, right around the end of school, he said, I need to go back to using Spelling UC this summer. (laughs) I was just floored. I said, really, why is that? And he said, well... Because I know it was making a difference in my spelling, and now that I know that I can spell, I want to be able to spell better. You know, I I often wonder, how do people come up with these brilliant methods to help children, adults, um, you know, read better, spell better, do math better? You know, who's who's developing this in, in the Demi company? Well, Spelling UC actually came to us um, from the auspices of Dr. Karen Halinga, who is a um, Ph.D. reading specialist from Ohio State University, and she has a private practice in Ohio. And she utilized techniques that have some 30 years of research behind them from the University of Virginia, from the McGuffey Institute, being a longtime homeschool parent. I'm sure you remember the term McGuffey reader. Yes. So at the McGuffey Institute, they realized that there were developmental stages to the process of learning to spell. And, you know, many of us read very well, but don't spell equivalently well. Why is that? We make the erroneous assumption that in order to be able to, if you can read well, you can spell well. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And so Karen took these developmental stages and applied them in a cogent way in the with the students in her practice and created this spelling program and then gave us at Demi the privilege of bringing it to market and it has been an amazing, amazing enterprise to yeah. see how many children's lives it's changed. And does it get modified as you talk to parents and you've used it yourself and or, or did it kind of come to you pretty much... I think one of the, the benefits of it was the fact that we brought it to market in a well-practiced form, okay. which is different from many enterprises that they bring it to market and then they have to tweak it a whole bunch. We haven't had to do many tweaks to it. What we were able to do was to add two additional levels to the material. So now we have 
levels A through G, um, and you'll note they're, they're not grade levels. We give them letter names instead of grade levels because children have different capacities, and we want a child to be in our program at their capacity. Yeah. And so if I have a sixth grader who really spelling-wise needs to work at a third grade level, I can't tell them that they need to work in a third grade spelling enterprise. Mm -hmm. But I can tell them that they need to work in level C in order to improve their spelling. And that makes it more palatable to the student as well. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Gretchen, before I let you go, tell us where my listeners can uh, find the materials, I'm sure a lot of um, homeschoolers already know about Matthew C., but the uh, the new program probably is, is on the same site. So give us that website well, address. We actually have three. Mm-hmm. We have MatthewC.com. Yeah. We have SpellingUC.com. And spelling is not a U as people have come to know the U of Matthew C. It's SpellingYOU.com. UC.com. Uh, and of course, there's right. DemiLearning.com, which would take people to both enterprises. Uh, Steve Demi is our founder, and that's where the name of the company comes from. We're now really a publishing house, so we're all under the umbrella of DemiLearning.com. All right, and um, hopefully, some of my listeners, if they're interested, will get to talk to you in person when they decide to go the way of. Um, That would be wonderful. I would entertain a call from any of them at any time. All right. Well, I've been talking to my friend, Gretchen Rowe, who's been a regular on my show during the last five years. And if you go to my site, The Social Homeschooler, and type in her name, you'll have plenty of conversations to choose from. And go and check out that site, demilearning.com, and the spelling you see, and math you see. And have a look at um, some of this curriculum that's... um, and might be very useful for your start of year consideration for your homeschooling next year. Thank you, Gretchen, so much for joining me today and sharing your summer activities with us. And as always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to to you. You have a safe weekend and get back to that pool. Oh, you have a pool? Do you have a pool in your yard? <laughs> yes, we do. We were very blessed to um, find a pool in our backyard when we looked at this property and we thought it, the property had been untended for a couple of years, but it turns out the pool's in great shape, and we really are enjoying it. Well, great. Well, you have um, a great rest of your summer, Gretchen, and hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it, Vivian. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with friends. And that's what's so great about my show is that I meet so many people. And every now and again, we meet face to face, which makes it even better. Two months ago, when we left Texas, it was raining and had been for months. The creek bordering the two sides of our new property was overflowing its banks and flooding our fields. When we first walked the land and fell in love with the little house on a dirt lane, the creek was merely a trickle. It had rained so hard for weeks and weeks, we were sick of no sunny days, and the land was waterlogged, causing puddling and flash flooding within minutes of the heavens opening. Our family said of our upcoming trip to Florida, I bet you'll be glad to get away from all this rain, and had to be reminded that this was hurricane season in Florida, and we were fully expecting lots of rainfall and tropical storms as we'd had last year. But we were wrong. Florida was in a drought. 
where my blue-eyed cowboy had seen three and four alligators a day gliding along the canal by our stilt house last year. This year, he's only seen three altogether. Last year in the evenings, when we dined on the back screened-in porch, we had been serenaded by frogs while we ate. This year, it's been silent. We've had to water the grass and the flowers, whereas last year the storms came in regularly, every afternoon, and the temperatures dropped for the rest of the evening. The last two weeks have been cloudy, with maybe a gentle rain falling either all day or all night, but nothing like the storms from last year. And the humidity, without the 20-degree drop in temperature coming in in the afternoons, has been so high our crackers get stale at lunchtime in the few moments that they're out on the plate. This is our final week, and we're doing last time to do things like last time to walk the dogs in the mornings or ride my bike. We'll be going to Winn-Dixie for the last time. We attended Mass at the Little Catholic Church at La Belle, where the priest is Polish with a thick accent. The organist plays all the hymns slowly, and the congregation loves to sing, mostly off-key, so we get to sing every verse. We did that for the last time this past weekend. We're cleaning, too, because I love to come home to a clean house after a trip, so I want to leave this place as we would like to find ours on our return. I hope Dortz is listening. Except my cowboy and I go full out. He's cleaned all the air vents, replaced the filters. I've cleaned out the fridge and all the kitchen cabinets. We're saving the sweeping and mopping until the day before we go and pick them up from the airport in Fort Myers. With two dogs and their rogue fur, I want their house to be as dust and fluff-free as possible. We've made some friends here this year. Everyone was thrilled to see us back and so had already warmed up to us because we were returning residents and we've attended a couple of happy hours and parties. I doubt we'll be back next year. My cowboy says if we house sit again, it'll be on a tropical island. I tend to agree. Our teacher daughter came to visit us for her birthday and we had a lovely time, mainly just relaxing and chatting, eating good food and playing lots of card games. She needed a complete break from those 12-hour days at the daycare centre or learning centre. We went to Miami on her birthday, July 14th, and had a good time walking around, looking at the beach. She hates sand between her toes, so we didn't paddle. On the way home, we stopped at Neverglades Park and went on an airboat in search of alligators in the wild. It was wonderful, even though we had to evacuate the boat once because of bad lightning storms in the area. It's a steel boat, so we didn't want to take the chance. On another day, we got lost despite our GPSs on our iPhones, where my GPS gave me the direction, in 12 miles, turn right on Sears. I suspected something was amiss because we had already been traveling for 20 miles on our way back to La Belle from a town that was only 15 miles away to start with. I turned on Sears as instructed and heard, In six miles, turn right. My stomach sank when I looked down at my phone. There was no street name, just in six miles, turn right. I looked around at the wilderness around me, and I knew Cyril, my digital navigator, had had one too many glasses of wine. But I continued in faith, hoping that the satellite Cyril was relying on could see something I couldn't from where I was driving. 
In a quarter of a mile turn right, he said. I looked around. There was no road, just an expansive field that faded into the horizon. I carried on, slowly ignoring his continuous demands. Turn right, his English accent barking impatiently at me. My screen showed the GPS rerouting and Cyril telling me to make U-turns. As I turned around, my iPhone died. Hobbs was bemused. Paris took over with her Google Maps and we set off along the dirt road in the opposite direction, fully embracing the nightmare of backwards and subconsciously humming, dueling banjos. Thankfully, in the dusty distance, a truck shimmered in the heat haze towards us. I slowed, he slowed. I opened my window, he opened his window. He looked at us, I looked at him. And I said, yep, we're lost. Looking for the Bass Pro Shop, he asked. Later, after following his instructions back to civilization, we were sipping our hot chocolate together. Looking for the Bass Pro Shop, Paris said, and we all laughed at the randomness of the question. Grateful to be safely home. It was funny. By the way, download Google Maps. The one that comes with the iPhone loses its marbles under pressure. Takes you goodness knows where. I wondered if we were even in the right state. My Texan celebrated a birthday too. This was the sixth year in a row. He's not been home for his special day. We made it very special together. We had a steak on the grill and some champagne. Well, there's nowhere in La Belle to eat. And we didn't fancy a drive all the way to Fort Myers just for a steak. Oh, it's better at home anyway. Dort's our dancer daughter, who's been holding down the fort, is excited about us coming home because she wants us to experience the peace and quiet of country living. This is the same girl who didn't want to move out to the boonies of Egypt when she first heard of our new acquisition. Now she says she's loving this country living. She's lived there longer than we have. It's absolutely great to be back broadcasting my show, and I hope you've enjoyed this time together as much as I have. I've done a lot of writing in the past six months, but I really miss talking to all of you and finding interesting guests to discuss homeschooling with. Thank you so much for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my technical director, Eric, who puts everything together to bring you my show, my guest this week, Gretchen Rowe, and you, my faithful listeners, old friends and new, who make up my growing audience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. When you hear the music, pop over to my website, thesociablehomeschooler.com, linked on the show page here on Toginet, and leave me a message if you fancy joining me one Friday afternoon to talk about your homeschooling or unschooling or road schooling or any other kind of schooling experiencing you, experience you're having. Take care, be safe, and remember, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you there. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has a purpose in your being there. Christ has something he wants to do through you, wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace, love and power. Richard Halverson Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.